Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Wow. Hello and welcome to the Abroad in Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined, as always, by England's top Japan enthusiast, Mr. Pete Donaldson himself. Pete, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm currently trying to move house a little bit, just a little bit. <gasps> um, so I'm just surrounded in boxes. Uh, I, 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 I chopped the top of my finger off a little bit a little while ago oh because I was um, I was I was yeah, trying to craft yeah. a box out of another box. Yeah, Goose style. Um, yeah, it's quite stressful moving house, isn't it? Broadband, getting rid of old broadband, not wanting to <laughs> end it all. Just broadband, um, trying to get a lorry down your fucking street to put all the things in um, and just looking at your possessions and going, do I really need any of this? That's the, that's the stress. That's the worry. You need to get Marie Kondo around to help yeah. you sift through all that stuff and work out what's important in your life and what is shit. Why don't you get around? Mm. Sort it out. Film it. Yeah, do it. but I'm moving into a bigger house. I've got more room. <laughs> How do you feel about leaving Soho? I mean, I one of my favourite things about doing this podcast is getting this kind of beautiful picture painted every week of your life in the heart of London. Like you are literally in the most centre point of London. If you drew a map and mm. pointed on the map, you'd be right in the middle of it. I'm going to be sad that you're not there anymore. And of course, for listeners, for you guys, wherever you might be, Whenever you're in London, there's always been a good chance that you could run into Pete in you Soho. Spot me, yeah. It's yeah. happened at least twice. Uh, I mean, yeah, <laughs> so it's happened at least twice in two years. Hooray! Um, yeah, I, I am going to miss it. I'm going to more than anything else. I think you miss the convenience, don't you, uh, mm, of living in the centre right. of town. But then I think uh, you get to a certain point in your life and you kind of value your time and your space and your your, your, your living, I suppose, don't you? You, you just want a, <laughs> Wish I a slightly simpler life. <laughs> but, I mean, you live in quite a, not a rural area, but you don't live right in the middle of it on top of everybody, do you? I mean, I have people living on top of me in the damn apartment above. I can hear them, like, banging right. all day long. I don't know what they're doing. Honestly, I could make a banging. whole new channel called I Hate Living in a Japanese f- Apartment. And it would just be me sitting in a chair, just swearing for about 20 minutes every day because of what my neighbours are doing. I hate the paper I was, um, walls. I am envious of you. <laughs> I, was, 
I was watching. Uh, I was watching a little, um, not really a documentary, just a, um, a Chinese or ex-Chinese uh, vlogger um, mm. talking about the like decoding the um, burglar signs. You know, the um, when I think in 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 um, slightly more down at heel uh, neighborhoods, um, crime crime gangs, uh, burglary gangs go around um, trying to burgle ha- houses uh, and to make sure that they're. That they're um the 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 crime gangs are going into the right houses or they've got all the information they need about the personnel in the in the buildings and um how many people are in there um whether they've got a security alarm when they've got this and that um mm-hmm. they make a little scratchy that they scratch into the um plasterboard on the wall um oh a little bit of information about the house it's absolutely chilling um i've I've become obsessed with uh, a whole raft of um, well, two at least. Uh, Chinese vloggers have been effectively hounded out of China. Um, like really horrible stuff, you know, chased by the government and um, made it made it very clear in non certain terms that they need to leave. Um, I mean, they were doing videos about how shit it is to live, how shit the Chinese government is, why the Chinese Communist Communist Party uh, are are terrible, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's not like it's. Uh, it's not like it's. Sorry, I lost my train of thought. Train of thought there. Um, so it's not like it's. Um, uh, it, it was not a surprise. I think. I think people right. play a little bit yeah. fast and loose, and, and I, I think they, they were under some kind of illusions that uh, they were allowed to say everything um, with impunity uh, and think that the Chinese uh, Communist Party would not hear what they actually said. But um, yeah, it, it seemed like a terrible situation for a lot of them, um, and they all got effectively kicked out. <laughs> Good lord. Well, hopefully yeah, there's horrible. no risk of that happening in your new house, Pete. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I, I think no. I think slagging off the greater London area is... Oh, it's probably I'm allowed to do that. I, I pay my council tax. <laughs> You're safe. You're safe. Well, today we have got a fax machine extravaganza, guys. We do love these episodes. We have got so many questions, comments, stories from you guys that we want to read out. And we dedicate every now and then a podcast to doing just that. Uh, we've got several interesting stories, wonderful questions from the fax machine. And let's dive right in to a question from Hamish. Hamish. Uh, hey, Chris and Pete. Hamish from Adelaide here uh, in Australia. I've been watching abroad in Japan since 2013, and it served as one of my main inspirations for learning Japanese to the present, present day. And I've since fallen in love with Japan and landed a position on the JET program, although with the COVID status of the program, uh, it's on hold. Ah, sorry to hear that, but thank you, Hamish. I'm glad the channel has been useful to you. Uh, With that out of the way, I had a personal annoyance that I never had the ability to share with fellow Japanophiles until learning about your podcast. Throughout high school and university, and even now, when people learn that I study Japanese and I love the culture and wish to live there, they immediately assume that I do it just for the women. Time and time again, people have said things, said things like, that's one way to get a date and that's a clever way to pick up chicks and you'd be into that type of thing. Uh, to this day, I don't know what that type of thing means. And it's happened over a dozen times with even my own mother and father getting involved in this. Oh, dear. My mother has even been asking, uh, I guess that means we'll be getting a Japanese daughter-in-law now. I don't understand the assumption that I just learn a foreign language for the women and uh, therefore beseech I want to beseech your infinite wisdom and all things Japanese. I have nothing against interracial dating. I'm with another European Australian that loves Japanese culture equally. So I don't understand this stereotype. Has this ever happened to you? And what does it all mean? Much obliged, Hamish. Uh, I mean, that is a good question. And I think it's probably one that most people coming to Japan 
tend to find crops up. I remember when I sort of said to people, I'm going to move Japan. That came up a lot. Like, oh, you must want a Japanese girlfriend or a Japanese wife or something like that. And that had never, honestly, that never factored into my decision. Um, I wasn't, I was neither for or against. I was ambivalent. I came here for other reasons, but that's a popular thing. Have you ever had that, Pete? I think, um, your I think, I, I, I think, uh, <laughs> I think anything uh, a bit Asian. If if you're uh, interested in anything a little bit Asian, it's a bit uh, it, it, as a single man. It's uh, always going to be. There's always going to be a little bit. It of always a, comes mm, up. Really? Mm, yeah, you go there quite a lot, don't you, Pete? Mm, yeah, right, well, isn't it? Um, so yeah, I mean, you just can't get away with it, and and it's not um, their fault necessarily. It's just a generation of uh, older men who um, you know left our mothers and flew to Thailand and married up with a. a yeah. A young, a young lass seemed to be. So, so, so we're we're kind of um, with the sins of the fathers and all that business. So, uh, but I mean, I imagine there are a lot of people, a lot of um, uh, little little dweebazoids on 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 four chan and beyond who believe that uh, um, moving somewhere uh, will automatically get you uh, more dates because you're seen as, seen as somehow exotic when in fact you just uh, 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 a, a little geek with um, Cheetos crumbs <laughs> on you on your shirt. That's a great description of me. A geek who comes on my shirt. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's. I just, just no. Just next time someone says it to you, Hamish, just sort of say, no, go away. That's my only <laughs> no, response to go that. Go away. No, no, it's not. I want to learn the language. I like the culture. I don't even care about girls. <laughs> say that. You'll I'll be right. The ice cream. <laughs> Coolish. Excellent. Uh, we got one from Jarno. What's that, Pete? Uh, from okay, Jarno. Hi, Christian Pete. Last week I started listening to your podcast, and I'm now ready on. Uh, I'm already on episode twelve. Well, <laughs> you've got a long way to go, <laughs> um, but I couldn't wait to tell you about my Japan trip of 2018. Let's start with me. I stood out like a soft thumb as a young, tall, uh, six foot four, blonde Dutch guy. Well, good on you, Dutch guy. <laughs> and after graduation of my bachelor's, I wanted to um, take a big trip of a full month and decided to go to Japan. Here are some of the crazy adventures I got into and I can expand upon if you ask me for more details. Ooh. Number one. The moment after I got out of customs, a TV camera was standing ready to interview me, which I gladly humoured. You uh, you did that, didn't you? you? You've had that a few times. It, I think it happened to me once, there. but I just sort of ignored them. Yeah. It's the... Um... The TV show You Are Nanishi Nihon which literally mm. is called Why Are You Coming to Japan? And they harass people who are jet-lagged and tired, have just flown for 12 hours. You come out after a rigorous time trying to get your bag and do immigration. Someone says, why have you come to Japan? And if your story is interesting enough, they will follow you around Japan for the right. rest of the week. I'm not even joking. I'm disappointed I haven't happened to that? you yet, Pete. You do, you do that, not. No, they pay right. for expenses. that's your old, isn't it? Right, yeah, it's actually exactly. a holiday, isn't it? Cheeky devils, <laughs> disgraceful. Um, yeah, the, he goes on the jet lag for the first two days was, was was horrible. The capsule hotel is amazing, bit cramped for me. Thirty percent of the showers are too small for me, and I had a duck showering. I mean, a lot of these are just I'm a tall man. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not being funny, John. I sound a bit like a off. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, went down a weird roller slide. Got a free hand fan from a, la- a nice lady at uh, a waterfall. Um, a Japanese giant hornet stung me, uh, and it hurt like hell. And an old guy tried to help out by uh, pouring green tea over it. Wow. What <laughs> would, it, would would hornets be like? Um, wasps, where you got to put uh, it's bicarb for bees, isn't it? Because it's alkali yeah. and uh, wasps is vinegar, isn't it? So I imagine they're probably on the um, 
the acidic he, side of things. He just wanted to make a bad situation worse, didn't he? Oh, my my <laughs> arm's been stung. Yeah, have some green tea. Way Sticky green tea everywhere. Um, got interviewed for a TV show in Osaka and got some origami oh, for it. Um, I saw a guy in the middle of a Bisu uh, bridge getting kicked by seven other guys. Exciting. Um, got a tour through a high school from high school from some high schoolers. Uh, when couch surf- surfing, I got in a nasty home and I sneaked out. I attended a Buddhist morning gathering at 6 a.m. and got blessed by the priest. I climbed up Mount Fuji at the end of uh, December uh, and... Uh, and uh, it was nice and empty. It took two hours to get to the top, two hours to get down, advantages of being a competitive runner. Again, show off. Um, couldn't get to uh, Hiroshima because of a typhoon, and I got interviewed for a third time back in Tokyo about music. Uh, you can see the pictures uh, over at a uh, link that he has provided. I do kind of... The thing is, I've been slagging you off, Jan- Jano. Um, I clearly want to see those pictures because I think they're going to be excellent, uh, and thank you very much for uh, messaging in. <laughs> I mean, I'm only messing I, around. I, some of those stories beg a belief. The fact he climbed Mount Fuji at the end of December, and it was nice and empty. Jeez. Of course it was empty. It wasn't I even open. it was. <laughs> Two hours to get up and down in like three metres of snow. I'm, I'm yeah. sceptical, especially... As we a few weeks ago, we talked about a guy who died climbing in October. He live streamed his mm. own death and demise by accident, um, yeah. and that was October, let alone December. Uh, but holy crap! If some of these stories are true, if all of these stories are true, then that is the best trip to Japan anyone's ever had. Except sounds like a the, sounds like a long one. Sounds like it took more than a couple of months. <laughs> this must have been a long time. I oh, did say a full month. That's all right then. Right, that's okay. all right. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, well done. Fair. I'm going to check out those photos later on. And if they are indeed mm. good, I'll talk about what we see in next week's podcast. Uh, we got one from Jeff. Hi, Chris and Pete. First, I want to say thank you for all the great podcasts. I just found it a few weeks ago and I've been listening to the backlog of episodes. It brought back some great memories from my previous trips to Japan while I've been working from home, staring at Excel spreadsheets for nine hours a day. I may be traveling uh, to Asia for work next spring, assuming travel restrictions have been lifted. And I was planning to take a few days off and hop over to Tokyo for a mini vacation. One of my hobbies is street photography. And since I'll be on my own, uh, I was planning to spend some time walking around Tokyo taking pictures. I wondered if you both had any suggestions for interesting or unique places for, for photography around Tokyo, besides the obvious choices like Shinjuku or Shibuya. Uh, I was especially interested in good spots for night photography. Keep up the great work, Jeff. That is a good question, Jeff. I'm mm. going to throw some ideas into the hat. I say Shimbashi. It's quite a popular one. Shimbashi is quite a popular one for nighttime photography, but it's done far less often than um, Shinjuku and Shibuya. And this, because there's a lot of work and offices around there, a lot of people at the end of the day, they kind of sneak into a bar or restaurant. It's a very bustling area. It's got lots of skyscrapers. There's the Yamanote line that goes right through it so you've got a lot of kind of interesting settings the nighttime aesthetic trains going skyscrapers ticks a lot of boxes and also i'm gonna say oh i can't remember what it's called have you got any ideas pete while i look up the district um to be, i've only ever done that stuff in like when we were out up in Sapporo, to be honest so i I'm, I'm a little bit lost I just just got to somewhere where everybody's just getting out, getting out of work like chris said just um, <laughs> yeah. jamming stand in the lobby of faces. a major company, and uh, all all people doing uh, all all London street photographers do is uh, go just go straight down to Chinatown because I don't know what it is about um, Asian people's faces, but street photographers really seem to like taking pictures of them. It's a bit weird. I, well, I think yes, it's, I think it's the the characters, the characters that are kind of beautiful. There's lots of mm. kind of neon lights and just lanterns and things. I, yeah, I, 
I get that. I am the very person you hate so dearly. Um, now I'm going to make a special effort to go down Chinatown, take photos. No, the other location I'd say is Shinokubo, which is a it's the kind of Korean town of Tokyo. Really good restaurants, bloody brilliant restaurants. Korean food is amazing. Um, but there's some cool restaurants and little alleyways around there that I think are quite a rewarding place. And that's another good kind of nighttime photography spot. So those are my ideas. Mm. Shinbashi, Shinokubo, and Shimokitazawa. All the, all the shiz today, all the SHs. <laughs> um, shin, shim, shin. Shishima. Um, the ghost of Tsushima. Go to Tsushima. Go to Ghost of Tsushima, Tsushima Island, and uh, go for that. Shimokitazawa, though, very trendy, nice kind of area. A few mm. stops from Shibuya. Um, lots of restaurants, not that many cars. It's kind of a neighborhood where everyone walks around, so there's not many cars that get in the way. Very trendy. Um, it is trendy, nice. Trendy. Sure everyone just is. says it's trendy, but it is, and you'll see why if you go to Shimokitazawa. Look it up. Mm. Best of luck, Indeed. Jeff. Have a good one. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Jack Mates Happy Hour is back for a brand new season. It's the podcast where we talk to some of the most exciting people in the world, from Ricky Gervais. In some ways, fame makes you a better person. You know, it's like, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in God's watching me. But I, I know someone with Everyone else is. <laughs> <laughs> to undercover police officers. Can you see the fading scar there, gentlemen? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. That's where I was stabbed in the neck by a drug dealer once. Or... We just talk about whatever's making us laugh right now. When you think back to school kids' banter, like, it's well funny because of how immature it is. We had this teacher called Mr. McGibbon, and he had this big cushion that he was teaching us how to rugby tackle on. He just ran up to it, rugby tackled it, but landed on top of it, and one of the kids shouted, It's not your wife, sir. (laughs) (laughs) That is funny. (laughs) Listen to Jack Mate's Happy Hour on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Jack Mate's Happy Hour is a Stakhanov production.
Yeah. Good luck, mate. Um, got an email from Tom. Hey, Chris and Pete. Hope you're having a great day. And staying safe. I've been watching the channel for a while, uh, but I'm quite new to the podcast, so apologies if this has been answered before. But I would love to hear a reply. In uh, the most uh, recent podcast episode, Chris mentioned a date he'd be on with a Japanese woman where she had made fun of him for saying the wrong thing after a dinner. My question is, what is it like to uh, date in Japan, especially as a white person? Chris, we need to know. Answer me now. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's a big question with a long answer, but the short answer is, mm. I mean... Exactly the same as everyone else, I imagine. It is, but there, there's definitely cultural barriers that are quite big and barriers that I struggle to get through mainly the language barrier because when I was dating a Japanese girl she didn't really speak English I didn't really speak Japanese we would argue and I didn't know what was going on she'd be shouting at me and I was just like I don't know what's going on I don't know why where this began um but uh no I mean yeah it, it depends on the person doesn't it honestly I do think there's a lot more hurdles culturally it got very serious very quickly because there's that pressure in Japanese society, Asian society in general, I think, that you've got to kind of settle down quickly and get married in your kind of mid to late 20s and then start having children. And that, that was a pressure that came up in like the first few weeks or months. Marriage came up a lot and I was like, ah, no, don't yeah. really want to do that. Uh, wasn't her sister, wasn't up for it at the time. Um, are the women falling at my feet and the men jealous? He says, uh, no. Women are not falling at your feet and the men aren't jealous. Um, I think a lot of my Japanese friends are disappointed if I'm not dating a Japanese girl. I've had, I've had girlfriends from various countries while I've been here. And when they, they sort of say, is it Japanese, the girl? And is the girl Japanese? And I say, no, it's not. Uh, it's why I say it. She's not, a, uh, she's not Japanese. And they get not. disappointed. They get disappointed right. because they feel like I'm, if I'm not, dating a Japanese girl, then I'm not going to have that link with Japan, right? If that makes sense. Like I'm not. Right. It kind of, if you date or marry a Japanese woman uh, or guy, then it kind of shows that you're settling down and making roots to the country. Um, so there's always a degree of disappointment when um, I kind of say I'm not dating a Japanese girl. Um, but again, going back to women falling at your feet, that's also a myth. I remember when I was a teacher, my students we did like a survey once uh, with my Japanese colleague to see if they were interested in dating foreigners or if they'd ever consider it. And nobody, I think one student put their hand up and then put it down because they were awkwardly the only one um, just because it's just so stressful and odd and just bizarre. I think the idea mm. of dating someone from a foreign land is not that exciting in Japan as we believe it to be. So yeah, it's, it's, it's just happens. But there you go. <laughs> Don't give anyone false hope. And Eric from Texas says, Hey, Chris and Pete, Uruk. what is one area of Japan that you feel would be Japan's second best kept secret since Tohoku is obviously the first best kept secret? I noticed on your journey across Japan, you stumbled onto some cool areas in the middle of nowhere. Where do you think is the least exposed area of Japan? Also, which area do you think deserves more exposure? Eric from Texas. It's true. Tohoku is a place of magic and wonder. Uh, I've tried to show it to you many a time, Pete, in the two times that I've taken you around. As for Japan's second best kept secret, I'm not so sure. Any ideas, Mr. Donaldson? Japan's second best kept secret? Well, I like it to Kyushu. I like that kind of um, Kyushu sort of area. Um, nobody seems to sort of spend a lot of time around there. 
Um, like the south of that island is beautiful. The whole of that island is beautiful. You, you could go there for months and months and months and, and never see the mm. same thing uh, twice. Love that place. And it's invariably warmer uh, and you don't get quite as much rain. Uh, I don't think anyway. I don't, I'm, I'm no expert on the old, uh, on how the old weather works. But yeah, I, I really like that sort of area. I, I think I wish there were more flights directly there rather than straight into Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I think, I mean, I would say either central Japan around Nagano, where you've got the kind of Japanese Alps, or the Inland Sea of Japan, and probably the Inland Sea of Japan would win it, just because the sea is so beautiful, so turquoise, so magical, and it's a great place to relax. And not that many people go there or know about it. People go to Hiroshima, but they skip the Inland Sea, uh, which is a terrible shame, because I think it's an incredible place. But of course, Tohoku is the best-kept secret, and that is the place I recommend first and foremost. Uh, we've got one from Jacob. Um, I'll hand that over to you. All right, Jacob. Hi, Chris, Pete, uh, Chris, San, and Pete Esquire. Uh, JK from Brisbane, Australia. Been following your YouTube channel since 2016 and the podcast since episode one. I'm really impressed with the great content you've produced over the years and happy to see your success. I think other podcasts do usually delete praise, but uh, Chris obviously doesn't have those rules uh, in place. So apologies if we're a little bit backslappy at times. <laughs> Due to COVID, I've recently moved back to Australia, um, six months ahead of schedule after uh, spending two, two and a half years working overseas in London, Oxford and Antwerp. Love Antwerp, lovely part of uh, the world. Um, seeing as I'm now looking for a job, uh, it's probably as good a time as any to look at some more adventurous options. A friend of mine has been in, has been in uh, living in Japan for a few years and she successfully applied for a job uh, with uh, an Eikaiwa uh, rather than go through the JET program. What can you tell me about working for an Eikaiwa uh, and any tips on getting a job with one? Do you have any advice for your listeners looking at the, the options for uh, JET program or applying with an Eikaiwa? Uh, I already have a bachelor's degree and professional work experience which I've heard can be a big help. Cheers fellas. Keep it the good work. Jacob from Brisbane. Jacob, thank you for making me um, have to say the word Eikaiwa um, three times in that, in that particular Eikawa, email, Eikawa, you Eikawa. swine. <laughs> do you know what Eikaiwa actually means, though? I do not. Oh, what does it mean? Well, A is the A in Ego, like English, and Kaiwa right. means conversation. So literally English conversation, oh, Eikaiwa. Nice, um, like it. I have I did have a friend that was working at Eikaiwa. My good friend, uh, Regan the Vegan. It's clever because it rhymes. He worked mm-hmm. at a conversation school in Nagoya, and he didn't have a bachelor's degree at the time, and he continues to not have a bachelor's degree. But uh, it's easier to find – it's easier to get into an Akaiwa because the qualifications are lower. Typically, it's just – because it is just a conversation, there's not much right. curriculum. Um, it depends on the Akaiwa, yes. completely on the Akaiwa, but there's not – the, the curriculum is a bit more open-ended. Uh, you can have a bit more fun with it. Qualifications aren't as stringent, but the salary is lower. Uh, which is a reason that uh, it's looked down upon, I think, a lot of the time. But I did do an Akaiwa on the side while I was a teacher. It was free. I didn't mm. make any money from it. I kind of just wanted to get involved in the town that I lived um, in an extra way. And it was kind of fun. I just had uh, about 10 or 15 adults between the age of about 28 to 65. And they turned up every Monday and we just had a conversation. And there was no plan. My friend Sam and I, we made it up in the car on the made up the plan like in the car on the way to the Akaiwa, um, and then nice. just bashed it out and made it happen. So it was quite fun. Um, mm. And so yeah, there was there is lots of Akaiwa jobs. If you're okay with taking a slightly smaller salary, 
then it's a good option because you often do have a bit more flexibility where you end up, which is something you just don't have on the Jet program unless you're one of the lucky ones. Mm. Um, so, yeah, the bar is slightly lower, uh, but it's still a rewarding job. So that's my thoughts on Ikaima. And I do recommend it to a lot of people who don't have a degree, don't plan to get a degree, but still want to live and work in Japan. And there's all sorts of places you can find jobs, but uh, gaijinpot.com, which isn't sponsoring this podcast. We shout out so many people and get so little in return. Uh, <laughs> but gaijinpot.com is probably the most popular resource for finding those Ikaiwa jobs. And I know a lot of people that have successfully used it to find jobs. So best of luck, Jacob. Uh, I hope you do find your way over here. Yeah, things lovely. improve. Uh, got one from Terence. Pete, Pete only. What's your favourite oh. Tokyo Hands location and your favourite floor in Tokyo Hands? Answer in your metro station announcer voice, please. Uh, thank you, Terence. Uh, <laughs> go on, I'll let you roam free and have fun discussing well, your precious well, Tokyo honest, Hands. My, pr- my shop. precious Tokyo Hands, very, very good shop. Because the thing is, with Tokyo Hands, you see them all over the place. You see them built in the train stations. You see them all over Japan. And they're never as good as the one in Shibuya. And that's Shibuya. You never see them. They're never as good. They're never as good. Um, because it's like 10 maybe 11 floors, um, and each floor is a half floor, uh, and the best floor is the bottom floor where you can buy polystyrene heads, polystyrene ears, bits of leather, bits of perspex, bits of glass, and all of the tools to work that, um, you know, this stuff into, like, um, wallets and, you know, Mm. crafty creations. It's wonderful. Love it. Love it so much. But what's your favourite floor in Tokyo Hands? That floor, that floor, the the, the floor with the raw materials. Yeah, that very material floor. Or sometimes on the raw materials floor. It's always in the basement. <laughs> um, there's that. And then there's, um, I like buying stickers when I'm over there. I, I'll always buy like random um, birthday and Christmas cards as well. I uh, spend a lot of my time doing that that caper, to be quite really? frank. <laughs> yeah, because then, because, you know, if, if um, you get back home, and they are expensive, let's face it. They're, you know, five quid each. But you get home and you've um, given someone like a, a, a very unique Japanese card that sometimes, you know, does something crazy. Brownie got LED lights in it. Shouts, shouts something in Japanese. It's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really easy way. It's a really easy gift uh, to give somebody, I think. Very good. And, I mean, there's a good yeah. talk your hands in Sendai Station as well. If any of you guys have a pass through Sendai Station, there's a huge one built into that right. and i do find myself going there uh and not really buying much but just sort of wandering around particularly trying to find notepads with funny english on because for some reason great pen notepads in japan just littered with hilarious weird english mm. and talk hand selection there's no exception um yeah got one from anton it says hello chris and pete i am anton and i'm currently listening in latvia although i usually listen in the UK. I'm a big fan of the channel and podcast, which I've recently finished binging. I've got a couple of questions for Chris. Sorry, Pete, but hey, Quite back right. in the game. I might not have any opinions on Tokyo Hands, but I've got opinions on other things. Uh, are you planning to do any more documentaries in the style of the Inside Fukushima uh, and Tsunami documentary? If so, what would it be about? And second question is, how has the coronavirus affected the YouTube channel? And if it has affected it, was it in a positive or in a negative way? Uh, first and foremost, I am kind of planning some documentaries. I've been filming a few. I guess the Driving in Japan video, which is out now, I think, uh, is kind of a documentary, except it's just about driving in Japan. There's no one in it. Other than me and Natsuki on a beach. Um, but I am 
working on two other documentaries, one about owning a sushi restaurant and one about owning a Wagyu uh, steak restaurant. And so those are kind of documentaries. I'm having a lot of fun filming those at the moment, Mm. Um, but nothing too serious at the moment. I find that those kind of documentaries just don't do as well. Uh, You know, I hate to admit it, but I, you know, I, when I make something, my marker for success is the number of views. And though I am happy with how those two documentaries did, I could just make a video in my room going, look at this. It's a Kit Kat. It's funny. Oh, it's got an interesting thing on it. And that'll get like more views. And that is the depressing reality of YouTube, which is why I have Patreon, to be honest. (laughs) It's annoying, isn't it? Because you just kind of like, you, you, you put your heart and your soul into that. Oh, crying it is. But luckily, because I have the Abroad in Japan Patreon, I don't have to make decisions res- like solely on revenue. I can take yeah. decisions that are more about creative control. If it wasn't for Patreon, no- neither of those documentaries would probably exist. The second question, how has the coronavirus affected the YouTube channel um, in a positive or negative way? I guess it hasn't done that much. I guess, it, if anything, maybe ever so slightly positive, just by virtue of the fact people have been sitting indoors or sitting on buses uh, and just not doing a whole lot, not going to work, and more people have watched the videos. Um, but yeah, not even I really know yet. I think in a few months I'll be able to look over the statistics and try and work it out. But I suspect because people have been indoors, the number of views has gone up. Although I think the number of the listens on the podcast has gone slightly down compared to before, just because there are far less people commuting. So swings and roundabouts, really, eh, Anton? Swings and roundabouts. Um, what do you reckon, Pete? How's the podcast doing? How's the podcast doing? Yes, yeah, gone f- right. What it's under, under right lockdown? Really? Yeah, I mean, people, I guess people aren't sort of travelling to to what we're talk where we're talking about, which is uh, which is good. So uh, that, yeah, <laughs> I think that's that's the, a bit annoying. That's the negative aspect. I've kind of a mm. lot of plans I have this year, um, like road trip series or just travelling around Japan. I've had to hold fire on, and even the podcast topics we've discussed, I've tried to mm. steer clear of talking too much about travel because. It is frustrating for uh, for you guys, you know, wanting to come here but can't. I can't leave and come back to Japan because I'm not a citizen yeah. of the country, which is really annoying. And a lot of foreigners here are pissed about that. Um, so I've kind of avoided the topic of travel as much as I can generally. Uh, but certainly when things improve, it will be back in full force. There'll be travel at every turn. Uh, and with that, what have we got next, Pete? Whose message have we got? We've got... An email from, oh, hang on, let me just get my thingamajig up. Um, Katerina from Russia, currently studying and living in Berlin. Uh, hey, Chris and, Pete, hey, Chris and Mr. Pete, I've been um, enjoying your podcast last few months, and yesterday I suddenly realized that I've only, I only have two unheard podcasts left. And as I was getting sad and frustrated, I couldn't believe I saw the new podcast page before my eyes, and it wasn't a Thursday. I'm so happy you guys decided to record two podcasts a week. Today, I've also received a confirmation to uh, take part in a work camp at the uh, Tokushima uh, Children's Center in late December, and this will be my first trip to Japan. At the camp, we will be organizing a Christmas party for the kids. Hopefully, it will have nothing to do with KFC. Ha-ha! <laughs> um, I'd love to travel around Japan after the work camp, uh, but is there anything going on in late December and early January? Is there a New Year Christmas season like in Europe? Uh, when many places are closed. Thanks to the weekly inspiration. Keep up the excellent work. Uh, Ekaterina from Russia, currently studying and living, as she said, in Berlin. Very nice. Very nice. And that sounds pretty cool. Tokushima is a really beautiful place. It's in uh, Shikoku. Right. Yeah, lovely area. Um, I'm sure that'd be a lot of fun. I 
Master, I'm disappointed that you won't be doing KFC Christmas because that's the only good thing about Christmas in Japan. The only they have the decorations. Why be there. Well, yeah, I mean, they have the decorations, they have the music, they have Last Christmas, and they have KFC, but they don't have an actual Christmas day. It's really weird. Like, you get this build up. Mm. And the Christmas season, despite them not really celebrating Christmas in a authentic manner it starts in like november in the first day of november there's just decorations everywhere and playing jingle bells and last christmas for like two months and then you hit christmas day nothing happens and then on boxing day everything's gone and it's just over christmas is over which feels very rubbish to me because for me christmas is december and the first week or two of january so i never really like that um but the country is kind of closed down in early january they do have big um, some big holidays and people go to temples and pray for the new year. Um, so things are very kind of quiet on the first week of January and it, public transport's not particularly fun. So my advice is try not to travel too much in the first kind of five or six days of January. Outside of that, it's a good time to visit Japan and I'm sure you'll have a lot of fun. And because you are in Tokushima, in Shikoku, uh, I think you'll find there's no snow there. So no snow. Interesting. Well, hey. Well, hey, uh, mm. one from Leanne from Pennsylvania. Hey, Chris. Hey, Pete. So when I'm in Japan, one of my weird travel goals is to try the fruit from certain prefectures, uh, fruit that the prefectures are famous for. Example, Almori apples. What are some other prefectures with must-try fruit? This might seem weird, but it's something that would be super fun to make a map or checklist of. Hope this makes it to the fax machine. Hope you're staying safe. Leanne from Pennsylvania. Interesting one. It's true. Mm. Each prefecture, or certainly a lot of prefectures, do have a famous fruit. Uh, what's Hokkaido famous for, Mr. Donaldson? Do you know? Snowballs. You know. I don't, I don't, Snowballs I don't not know. fruit. You Come on, you know. I'll give you a hint. I'll um, give you a hint. A bear. Bear. Apple. Come on. Think, oh, know, God. Bear, bear a bear. Apple. Think, bear think mascot. Who's the famous mascot? Big um oh no i don't know now oh yeah you've shown me him in 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 um come on uh in Sapporo up that big tower he was uh what was he what was he hawking now avocados i don't know avocado <laughs> you, melon bear isn't it melon bear melon bear, bear with a melon course, for a head yes melon got a melon for a head yes <laughs> i remember now, melon bear, bear. <laughs> yeah uh hokkaido's famous melon bear Yubari King Melon, uh, which is like a hundred dollars, I think. No, way more than that for a melon. These huge, Chilly. perfectly round melons. Yamagata, of course, famous for its cherries and pears. Uh, Shimane, no, I don't know what Shimane is famous for. Yamanashi, shiitake, <laughs> shiitake. Yeah, Yamanashi is famous for its grapes and uh, has right. a lot of good wine. Um, yeah, I think that's quite cool. I mean, mm. each prefecture is famous for a dish, right? rather than a fruit. Yeah. So I think it'd be interesting to do a map of each prefecture in Japan, their famous respective dish. Um, yeah. That would be an interesting one, for sure. Little Google, do that. Google map project. Lovely old job. Google map project. And then and you got to finish give, them me, all. give me the map, and we'll put it on the abroadinjapan.com website. Yes. I want that yes. map. Yes. Make that map, Leanne. <laughs> I want, I want <laughs> give me the map. map. Give me the map. Thank you, Leanne. Give me the map, Leanne. <laughs> got one from Miguel. Miguel from yep. Sydney. Go on, Pete. To round us off. All right. Hey, Chris and Pete. Big fan of the show. Here in Australia, the craft beer scene is getting bigger and bigger and bigger every single day. And it seems the same as happening all around the globe. Is there a craft beer scene in Japan? Or do the uh, big brands still reign supreme? It's about time Coolish gave Pete a sponsorship. He says in PS, I completely 
agree, Miguel from uh, Sydney. Um, when I when I went to the Watford Liverpool match with uh, Keita, uh, the um, Japanese hotelier that Chris uh, introduced me to, he was um, he, he he spoke very eloquently about how much him and his wife love um, England because they can just drink craft beer. Uh, all of the mm. time and, and the beer that they drink um, in Japan is obviously always like lager it's always like Asahi or Sapporo um, um, but that said I did have him on the way back from the uh, football um, drinking Tisky which is a rather it, it's cooking lager it's a rather strong Eastern European lager it's very delicious very delicious though Ste- it's Stella-like brilliant I mean th- there's a lot of craft beer uh, places popping up in Japan, and they're usually mm. very trendy. Trendy, like Shimokitazawa. The aforementioned Shimokitazawa, which does have some nice craft beer places. Mm. Literally, just type in craft beer, and it'll come up on Google. Loads of great places, particularly in Shibuya, Ebisu, Daikanyama. Uh, that region is, I'd say, the most has the most craft beer places. And yeah. I, you know, I, have to, I often go down there and sample some nice craft beers myself. But uh, the culture is here in Japan. And it is kind of taking off and it's been blossoming and blooming in the last few years. So if you like craft beer, you will definitely be able to find some places here. Um, although it's still a little bit behind like the US and uh, the UK for sure. But yeah, uh, yeah you can definitely find it I think there's, for sure. I think there's a place uh, called Good Beer Faucets in uh, Shibuya, unless that's there is, yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. Good um, Beer my, yeah, my, yeah, my friend, uh, my friend, big fan of that place. Nice. I just realised I've nice. had a, a Kit Kat, a Kit Kat in front of me this whole time. Tea flavored, and you didn't. And you it, didn't Hoover it up. I know, right? This is this is, <laughs> this is great. I've been inspired by the previous move. message well, about losing weight. <laughs> says well, on it, you know, we're finishing the podcast. We 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 record a couple, so you know, you can finish off and 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 reward yourself. You're yeah. not even waiting until the podcast is finished. You're already opening it. You absolute reward. My reward. reward. Actually, says on it. Says on it. Daijobu, shinpai shinayo, which means. Well, do you know what it means? Daijobu. Uh, daijobu, healthy, good, <laughs> good. Are you all right? <laughs> uh, I mean, daijobu means it's okay, it's all right, and shinpai shinayo yeah, means right. don't worry, like don't worry, basically. It's okay, it's okay don't, don't worry. worry. Oh, so nice, nice, lovely. Good old Kit That's Kats. nice, that. Good. It is. Kit Kats are sort of seen this very positive form of confectionery in Japan, this luxury mm. product. Uh, we did talk, I think, three weeks ago about how uh, in Japan, kito, Kit Kat uh, sounds very similar to the Japanese phrase kitokatsu, which means to literally, uh, to surely win, to surely win. Mm, uh, and a yes, gift yes, to yes. cats as a gift. I think you got that wrong as a question in our quiz, didn't you? In my I believe quiz. I did, yes. <laughs> I, I will do that, though. I will do that with your incredible quizzes. You've got a kitokatsu. <laughs> You've got a surely win. Um, keep the mm. stories, questions, comments coming into a Born Japan podcast at gmail.com. We'll be back on Wednesday to do it all over again, ladies and gentlemen. But for now, no matter where you might be out there, the big wide world as always many thanks for listening and we'll see you on wednesday have a good one kitokatsu surely win (laughs) enjoy
This was a Stakhanov production. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.